Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. All right, so to start out a couple announcements that I have, uh, one of them is is that we will be having Monday night, tomorrow night, uh, prayerfully that all of our young people get back from Sun River safely. Uh, God will answer that one, that prayer. And uh, also, too, I want to request not only our young people group, uh, but also any of the other um, guys or gals in here that would like to help out on Friday the 3rd, or Saturday the 13th. On the 6th is when we're helping you move. Is that correct? Uh, so the Kirkpatricks are moving from their present home to their new home. So I know a bunch of us are going to be uh, going over and helping them move. And uh, But on the 13th, if we could get a bunch of folks come out to our place and finish cutting up, splitting, loading, and delivering the wood. Uh, my, my little right wing is not working the way it ought to. I'd much prefer to be on the saw cutting and then on the power splitter splitting. I tried that once uh, last weekend, and I'm still feeling it right now. So uh, I, I would need to fulfill those orders that people have asked, and uh, that was before I busted my wing. And so uh, it'd be great if you can help out. If not, that's fine too. It's not a, not a big deal. Uh, we get five, six, seven folks out there, and we'll get it done in, in, in no, no, no time at all. So that would be great if, if that's something you could do on March the 13th, Saturday. So other announcements that I have, uh, Wednesday evening assembly, it will be at the Comptons. Tonight, uh, evening assembly will also be there because we're doing some cleaning on the, the seats in here. And uh, you got all the information about the registrations and making sure that Melissa knows. Uh, any birthdays? I didn't have a, a list of birthdays that we would be uh, celebrating or singing to this week. Are there any birthdays this week? I see some pointing fingers. Kirk's Where are the pointing fingers? Kirk and, Scott. Kirk and Scott. Okay. We didn't have a bulletin. At least I didn't get one. So so we're going to be singing to Kirk and Scott. And Rubens is tomorrow. Oh, and Rubens is tomorrow? Yes. Okay, so I just call him and harass him with a crazy, ugly, awful song. Exactly. Okay, and he'd love it too. I know he would. <laughs> All right. If you're watching, Ruben, it's coming your way. So, All right, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woohoo! All right. And let's make sure those uh, clipboards, I guess there's three of them now, get all the way around uh, the room. So if you didn't get it, uh, right in the middle of the sermon, you can say, I didn't get it yet. And then uh, I won't take that as you didn't get what I was preaching. I'll get that you didn't get the clipboard. So that would be great. So hopefully you'll see all three clipboards before the end of the lesson uh, this morning. Are there any other announcements I need to make before we start? Yes, Scott. Okay, we really, we really, really need some, uh, if you have them, of course pictures uh, of the doings of the church in 2020. And uh, we're okay with you not having masked pictures. In fact, that would be fine. Very, very fine. So that'd be good. 
All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the, the book of Revelation in chapter 14 and verse 12. And uh, when I read these, I want to stress a couple important points uh, as we read them that I think are important for us to see in that particular verse. In uh, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and the faithfulness or the faith of Jesus. So notice it says that those who are persevering are going to be ones who are keeping the commandments of God and are walking according to the faith of Christ or living according to the faith of Christ. I want to turn to the other key passage or the anchor passage for this year's uh, lessons on perseverance, and that's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. So if you turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 this morning, and uh, a great passage of scripture that Phil Sutton will be uh, working on, verse uh, 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So notice, so it says you're, you're persevering so that you may fulfill the will of God. The so that is in there. So to persevere is for the whole purpose of fulfilling God's will for you. Now, I believe each individual Christian has been gifted with strengths, talents, and abilities to, to give to the collective whole of the body to fulfill God's will. And so it's important for you to recognize and understand there's a part to play. And so to fulfill God's will, God's will. Now, where do we find God's will? God's will is found in the scriptures and a whole host of different places. And so it's important for us to understand that. But now I want to finish the, the anchor verses for this morning uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3. And many of you are very familiar with this, but once again, it talks about Jesus being really the standard for our faith. As it reads here, fixing, excuse me, uh, starting in verse two, yeah, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we're supposed to fix our eyes on Christ. Because he is the beginner and the finisher of our faith. And so if we want to see how to live our lives, we need to look to Jesus, who is really the faith standard. Now with that, let's pray and then we can move into the scriptures. Father, I would ask in your son's name, Jesus, that you would help us this morning to look at how Jesus obeyed you from faith. His faith and faithfulness led him to perfect obedience. And Lord God, it's a beautiful picture where faith is manifest in what a person does. This morning, while uh, Jeff was doing his lesson on prayer, I'm talking about the practice of our faith. Father, we see the practice of our faith. We actually see how we're to live our lives as we look to Jesus Christ, uh, as we see him portrayed throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, not only uh, in his very physical being when he was here 
on earth, but also through uh, his body, the church, and those men and women who were faithful in the Old Testament, listening to God and following through. Now, we pray that we would see that this morning and recognize that if we're going to be persevering, we must build a heart of faithfulness that is manifested in obedience, Father. We would ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. You know that we have started looking at the, the three pillars or cornerstones for perseverance. The first one is faith. So we've been working on faith. We know that we're also going to be talking about hope, our hope in Christ Jesus as a pillar of our perseverance. If we have no hope, what's the motivation for pushing through? And so it's important for us to recognize hope is important as well as love. You know, the scripture teaches that before the fall of Jerusalem, the love of many grew cold. In fact, uh, it was a pretty ugly time and, and people were losing their faith and they were walking away from the, the love of Christ. And it was all about preservation of self. Well, Jesus didn't have that preservation of self. He was willing to sacrifice so that you and I would make it to heaven. Without his perfect obedience, there would be no hope as we're going to see today. And without his perfect love, there would be no opportunity to have salvation. And obviously, that all came through faith. Now, you remember what the three parts of faith are. First one is the or conviction or being persuaded of what is true. So much so that you trust in it. You entrust yourself to a faithful creator. So you have faith in God and you entrust your life to follow his word. But see, that's the last part. The last part in both faith and belief is a reliance upon what you know to be true so much so you're willing to act on it. You're willing to practice it, as Jeff said this morning. And so we're going to look at the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Romans 1 and verse 5 says that the, the Gentiles were called to the obedience of faith. And so really all of us are called to the obedience of faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. So let's look at point number one this morning. Basically, just a quick review of faith, pistis, and belief, pitho, and then we're also going to add to it obedience, obedience. And so the, the first word there, pistis, in your uh, lesson, it really boils down to this, conviction of what is true, assurance of what is true, and reliance upon what is true in conduct consistent with your convictions and confidence. Conduct in that's consistent with your convictions and your confidence. If you're convinced of something is true and you trust it as a life standard, and if you don't live it, then you really do not have the conviction nor the real trust that it's true. But if you are, have the conviction and you believe it's true, you will follow through. You will act upon that which you are convicted of and are sure of and confident in. So there has to be an element of, of a consistent conduct or conduct consistent with your convictions. But in the word pitho, belief, that is boiled down to be persuaded of what is true, to trust what is true, or to entrust oneself to what is true, and actually uh, to obey 
what you read and have come to understand as true. And so if you look at your lesson plan this morning, uh, in addition to that, we're looking at the word obedience, the obedience of faith. And the word obedience is consistently used in Christ's life, being obedient to his father and his will. Jesus was, was fulfilling the will of his father, as we're called to fulfill the will of God. And he was, he was loving his father enough to obey his commandments. And remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus loved his father and kept his commandments. He was a faithful son. We're called to be a faithful bride. And a faithful bride will do certain things and not do certain things because of her faithfulness to her husband. So the word obedience here is a rather interesting word. Uh, the obedience of one who hears and conforms his conduct to God's commands. Conforms his conduct to God's commands. You know Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this generation, this culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove or demonstrate what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember why we want to endure so that, why do we want to persevere so that after having done the will of God, we'll receive what was promised, which is our hope. See how it all fits together. They all work together. Faith, hope, and love all work together as that which we must possess, Christ's faith, Christ's hope, Christ's love, to be able to persevere during the crazy times that we may, I don't want to say we will, absolutely. You don't know the future, but we may have to experience. And so, obedience hears the word of God and conforms his conduct to God's commands. Also in uh, the Greek word, uh, hupokuo, hupo means the hand, the hand surrendered to serve. That's what that actually means. A hand that surrendered to serve, to do. Submission and compliance to God's will. That's what the word obedience is there. The submission and compliance to God's will. And we know that God's will is found in the scriptures. And Jesus showed us how to fulfill God's will by living a life of faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, for the hope set before him, he endured the cross in love because he loved you, just you, just me. And so powerful understanding then of the power of faith to give us what we need to persevere when, if and when things get rugged in the future. Well, notice point number two there. I want to go through a, a list of verses that actually talk about Christ's faithfulness manifest in his obedience. This very word that we just defined. So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 14, Gospel of John in chapter 14. And as we listen to these, we'll find scriptures that teach us that these are things that we actually need to do. And so Christ's faith results in obedience. And I have here Christ's faithful obedience secured our salvation. 
if Jesus was not faithful, if Jesus was not obedient in fulfilling God's will, none of us would have any salvation. Listen to what the obedience looked like in Christ's life. Beginning here in John in chapter 14 and verse 30 and 31. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, speaking specifically of the devil, and he has nothing in me, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's go from here. I do exactly what the Father commanded me. You see, shouldn't we in faith and love of God do exactly what the Father commands us for the reason, the purpose, the motivation for why he's called us to do that? If we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, you know, stepping in the light, stepping in the light, the footsteps of Jesus, if that's really a true song, and it is, then we actually then need to love like he loved, live like he lived, obey the commandments of God. But look at Hebrews chapter 10. Go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 5 through 10. This is a very interesting description of an Old Testament passage that was literally quoting Jesus. This Old Testament passage is quoting Jesus, beginning there in verse 5. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 5 reading down through verse 10. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O Lord. My body, Jesus says, is given to you for your good pleasure, to serve you and to fulfill your will, O God. Let's read on in verse eight. After having said the above sacrifices and offerings, the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are an offering according to the law of Moses. Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first, covenant in order to establish the second by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ why did Jesus Christ offer his body on the cross it says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross without his obedience to the father's will none of us would have any hope for he would not have borne your sin in his body. And you would have to pay the terrible price for your sin. And so we need to recognize and understand Jesus Christ sacrificed himself so that we could have salvation. Remember that statement. He, a body was given to him for two reasons. Number one, to manifest the glory of God in his words and deeds while he lived on the earth and then to give his life as a sacrifice, having all the sins of the world poured into his body on the cross, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. 
So as we see this, we see the obedience is actually the willingness to sacrifice himself for our salvation. My question in just a moment is this, are you willing to sacrifice yourself for the salvation of others? That's the true obedience of faith. Well, let's look at the next one. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Romans 5, verse 18 and 19. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, speaking, I believe, of, of Adam, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted in justification of life to all men, I believe, through Christ's sacrifice. Verse 19, For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one the many will be, be made righteous. The obedience of the one is who? The obedience of Jesus Christ. And what did he obey? He obeyed God's will in going to the cross and bearing our sins and then granting that we would have the forgiveness of sins and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit by participating in sacrifice, by being crucified with Christ in immersion, by being buried with Christ in immersion, and by being raised up with Christ, filled with the Spirit, so that we're able to walk in the newness of life, to walk by faith and not by sight. There's the power of understanding what true biblical faith is. True biblical faith will have a conduct that shows we truly do believe and we truly are convinced and we truly do have confidence in God's word and we're willing to fulfill his commandments and to do his will. In Philippians in chapter 2, you know this passage very well, verse 8. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, speaking of Jesus Christ. He says here in, in verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man. This is speaking of Jesus. He humbled himself. He lowered himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. You see, it's important for us to recognize that Jesus chose to humble himself. Chose to do the dirty work so that you and I might have salvation. He, he chose to lower himself to the point of death on a criminal's cross. And it was a criminal's cross because you and I had committed crimes against God's word and someone had to pay the price and he paid the price for us, as the scripture teaches in so many places. But he was obedient to the will of God, having given himself to suffer that we might have salvation. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go back to Hebrews 5 and finish the scriptures that talk about the obedience of Christ. There are many others, but these specifically use the word obedience or, or doing his commandments. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. This is a very awesome passage speaking of Christ's sacrifice and even his prayer in the garden as was uh, shared this, this morning by Jeff. Verse 7 and 8. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety or his, his deep godliness and holiness. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 
And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Now verse 9, and, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Having uh, been uh, dis, uh, designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. You see, all of us who will obey Jesus Christ in faith and in love will also experience salvation. But you know, Jesus didn't come just to die on the cross to give us salvation. There was more to it than that. The Lord wants every single human soul in the world in heaven with him. And he wants everyone to at least have the open offer, the open invitation. Now, how's he going to do it? How he did it back then was through his body. Remember when, when the people were begging him to stay in Capernaum? He goes, no, we got other cities we got to go preach in. We got to go tell everybody. So Jesus was doing the circuit. Well, you know, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that I can give you the spirit of truth, the helper, the spirit of truth. So now he does have a body still today. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's us who are his children. The same spirit that lived in the body of Jesus Christ is the same spirit that dwells in us. The same faith that Jesus Christ had we are granted through the word of God. And just as Jesus had to grow up in wisdom and stature, so we too need to grow up in wisdom and stature. You see, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to walk by the faith of Christ. Revelation 14, 12 says that. Keeping the faith of Jesus. Now we've looked at the faith of Jesus and it's always about sacrifice. Anybody else need the purple? What is that one? Is that one for the, the family camp? Yeah. Okay. Anybody need the family camp? Sign up sheet. Everybody got it? Okay. All right. So notice we need to move on now to us. Us. Take a look. Point number three. Possessing Christ's faith manifests Christ's obedience. Possessing Christ's faith people are going to see the obedience of Christ. And notice, his obedience consistently was a sacrifice of self. When he walked every moment when he got up in the morning, think about this. If he was going to save the world, what did he have to think, who did he have to think about first? Before his feet hit the ground, he needed to be thinking about, you know, I need to manifest the voice of God and the life of God in my life, I need to live a holy and blameless life so I can be the sin bearer. He thought about you every moment of his life. He thought about me every moment of his life. He didn't think about himself. Not my will, but thine be done, he said in the garden when it was really crushing for him. So this, this next part is for you and me. Take a look at Mark in chapter uh, eight, Mark chapter 8. And I want you to think about what we've just read about Jesus Christ and, and his obedience always manifested itself in sacrifice for you and me. You have hope of heaven because of what he did. None of us are worthy of heaven. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are able to enter into heaven because of his sacrifice. 
And if we help other people come to know Jesus, it's not because we're anything special. As Paul said, we're but servants. Jesus is the Lord. You submit to him, not to us. And so we need to recognize that this next few passages are for us. And I've given you a verse below it. Sacrifice self just like Jesus. Sacrifice self just like Jesus. Sacrifice self just like Jesus. And I give you specific scriptures that actually talk about you and I sacrificing ourselves just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. Beginning in verse 34 there. Mark chapter 8 beginning in verse 34. And I picked this one particularly. Luke has an excellent uh, uh, parallel passage as well. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any wishes to come after me, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, he must deny himself. He must sacrifice himself on the cross of serving others. He must take up his cross. And Luke says daily, take up his cross daily, self-sacrifice daily and follow Jesus. Remember, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You look to him and his life, and that's the life that we're called to live. You see, these messages are hard to speak, and that's why I don't believe they're commonly spoken, because it means sacrifice of self. And I'll tell you what, self does not want to be sacrificed. It just doesn't. But what does Jesus say here? If you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, you must first deny yourself, take up your cross daily, as Luke says in Luke 9 and verse 23, and follow Christ. For whoever wishes to save his life, cling to what he has or what she has, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels uh, will save it. I've shared this just recently in a Bible study with a young man, I said, you know what? You have so many gifts and talents and abilities, but you'll never fulfill God's plan until you step into becoming a Christian. He's the one that came to me and said, I want to become a Christian. I wasn't telling him something he didn't already know. You see, and it's, it's important for us to recognize if we really do want to fulfill what God has called us to, and have the great joy, the fullness of joy, the fulfillment, the full pleasures in his presence, then we need to recognize and we need to follow him. So I want you to take some time this afternoon and take a look at Philippians in chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. 8 is the culmination of Jesus' obedience by suffering death on a cross. But what does it say in Philippians and chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition. And he goes on to say, Have this mind in you which was also in Christ, who humbled himself, sacrificed himself for others. That's for us, brethren. We need to follow in his footsteps. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. You've heard this so many times before, but I'm continually in awe of this passage of scripture. And I aspire to live it out in my life. In verse 20, the apostle Paul says, for I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, in this body, I'm going to live. Now, what is life made of? Life is made of words. Life is made of actions. Life is made of thoughts. Life is made of what we do and what we say. Isn't that true? A man will be known, a woman will be known by their words and their deeds because that's their life. It's manifest in their actions. Jesus manifests God's character. We now are able to do the same thing. Manifest God's character. And the best way to do that, by faith, in obedience of Christ, sacrificing ourselves for others. I want you to take a look at the passage of Scripture, Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 on your own. But that says exactly the way Jesus sacrificed himself and for the reason he sacrificed himself, that's why we need to, in love, sacrifice ourselves. For the same reason, for the same purpose. Now look at the last one this morning. In uh, uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, again, it's a very familiar passage, but we don't do this section very often in chapter 4, uh, beginning there in verse 7. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I want you to ask the question and find the answer. What is the treasure in earthen vessels? What's the treasure that God has given us? And how valuable is that treasure? And what are we called to use that treasure for? It's a beautiful understanding once you look at it in context. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that, there's that so that again. I send a note out every morning to a whole bunch of folks. I think I send it to everybody here, most everybody here. The words so, the words so that are powerful. We have the treasure given to us by God for a purpose, for a reason. So that, what's the so that? So that the surpassing greatness of the power in us will be of God and not from ourselves. You know, sometimes when you do really great things, you go, wow, I'm doing great stuff. No, you're not. God gave you the breath. God gave you the understanding. God gave you the wisdom. God gave you the, the life. God gave you the strength. You didn't do nothing. All you're doing is subjecting yourself to his will and being responsive to it. We need to understand that. But he goes on and says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, literally killed, murdered, death, physical death, but not destroyed. You see the the treasure in us gives us the power to endure. And that treasure comes through our obedience to him. Reading on, it says in verse 10, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that, so that. the Caring about the dying of the body of Jesus in, in my body, I'm caring about the dying of, of Jesus. Go back to Romans 6 sometime, verse 10 and 11. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, consider yourself dead to sin, 
and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ bore all of our sins in his body on the cross and physically died. And he rose from the dead. And so you and I need to recognize and understand that he did that so that we might bear in our minds and our hearts and our understanding that we died to sin as well. Remember Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. Or do you not remember that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, buried with him in immersion, raised up with him to walk in newness of life. And in the same context, he says, the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, you're to be dead to sin and alive to God. That's what it says in Romans 6. Oh, and by the way, go a little bit further in Romans 6. I know I don't have it in my notes, but maybe you want to find out that the Bible says you and I are weapons in the hands of the living God. And you can use these hands in obedience to wickedness, or you can use these hands in obedience to God. That's powerful, brethren. We are weapons in the hands of the living God. But we need to choose to be a weapon of his, not a weapon of the devil. That's our choice. Now, as we finish this up, he says, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. You know, if the dying of Jesus to sin is in our body, we're going to live to sin. We will. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you don't understand that you've been set free from sin, you're going to continue to sin because you're going to see yourself as a sinner. But that's not what the scripture teaches. In Christ Jesus, all of your sins were paid for. Now you've been given the spirit. You have the power to live like him and for him in obedience to God's will. It's possible. But look at the next verse, verse 11. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Man, this is a powerful verse too. It's not the same idea. When we are healed or martyred, as many of these people were, that's the very best opportunity for us to manifest the life of Jesus Christ. Where's the very best example of Jesus living faithful, obedience, loving those people who are not yet Christians? The best example is in that last day of his life when he is mercilessly beaten. Every word that came out of his mouth was to help other people come to a right understanding of who God was. He never uttered a, 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 a scream or a yell or a railing judgment of anyone, but only pleaded with God to forgive them and take care of them. That is an amazing example of faith. So he obeyed God and fulfilled his will even in his death. So Paul says, whether I live or I die, I am the Lord's. Really, that's how it ought to be following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so all the people you get to meet tomorrow, the good brethren you get to work with today, all the family members, all of those folks, 
You can love them just like Jesus. And you can manifest his life so they'll come to know Christ through you. There's power in it, brethren. My prayers is that we'd understand that faith is what's gonna give us the power to persevere. Even when they're crucifying us, we can say like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, we want to be people who are perseverant. This is the perseverance of the saints that they would obey your commandments, that they would walk by the faith of Jesus, that they would fulfill your will. And we would pray, Father, that we'd recognize that that only happens if we are of the faith of Christ. We're going to look in the coming year, people who, who were faithful seemingly in so many ways, and yet when the pressure really was on, they scattered, they left, and they remained removed from the body of Christ, from, from God's uh, hand. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to realize that we need to be faithful unto the end, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our, our toil is not in vain in the Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and let's get ready to be excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Lunch in a few minutes. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.